Pistachios are wonderful. Almonds are awesome. What about walnuts? They shouldn't be relegated to the baking aisle for cookies and brownies. They need to nestle among vibrant, fresh neighbors in the produce department. Hey, I'm Amy Souter, your host for the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We deliver fresh takes on keeping your business and your life healthy, full of fresh fruits and vegetables. And excuse my voice while I seem to be losing it lately. Speaking of beautiful produce, why don't you enter PMG's next merchandising display contest? It's almost time for the winter 2023 contest of the Seasonal Produce Artist Award Series. By the entry deadline of March 4th, send us photos of your winter produce displays, especially potatoes, broccoli, cauliflower, winter greens, citrus, mushrooms, and Chilean produce. Email pics to artists at producemarketguide.com. That's plural for artists, artists with an S at the end. As for today, this episode features a conversation with Robert Verloop, CEO of California Walnut Commission. He has a plan for a walnut makeover to increase sales and consumption. So let's join the chat with Robert. Hey, this is Amy Souter, the retail and education editor of The Packer and the editor of Produce Market Guide, PMG for short. And today we have with us Robert Verloop, CEO of California Walnut Commission. Welcome. Hi, Amy. How are you today? Great. Yeah. What's uh, what's kind of happening with what you're trying to do this coming winter, full the rest of the winter season and beyond? Sure, sure. Well, you know, for, for us, the, the, the harvest season starts in uh, August through November. So we're, we're really at a point now where we know exactly what the size of the crop is and, um, and how we want to distribute it both internationally and domestically. Uh, 65% of what we produce goes overseas. Uh, the balance of that uh, is really all in the United States. This year, it's going to be a little different for us. Um, uh, with the heat wave that we had in September, our walnuts are a little bit darker. Um, and in the United States, we understand that's a more flavorful, uh, great eating walnut. Internationally, they like a little bit of a lighter, milder uh, flavor. And so we're shifting some of our, or a lot of our focus to the domestic markets. Um, and um, really, as we now you know, start to transition out of the holidays, it's, it's a focus on health. Uh, but in the in the wintertime, it's still a great time to think about walnuts um, in that indulgent uh, uh, brownie or, or cookie or, or uh, yeah. cooking or baking uh, arrangement. But our long-term vision really is to shift walnuts into more of a fresh eating out of hand snacking opportunity. Um, it, it, we see, and, and I'm new as, as you know, uh, I've been here five months now. And one of the things that struck me was that we've had a phenomenal health story to tell about walnuts and, uh, but that gets kind of lost in the baking aisle because we put all this other good stuff around it. Like I say, we make it an indulgent item, but we don't then leverage all the health benefits that are there. And so we're, we're working real hard right now to develop retail promotions around with things like cheese, um, uh, yogurts, cereals, and then a lot of other fresh produce items. Um, we did some research uh, over the last year and um, well over, you know, 70% of the people understood that 
uh, walnuts uh, go together very well with fresh produce items because of the health benefits. Yeah, I mean, in the supermarket, at least one of my local supermarkets, there's uh, nuts are in the produce department. Mo- mostly, there's just this huge um, little island of of nuts all around the shelves and all the different kinds and varieties of each each variety. And um, uh, and then there is some in the baking aisle too, but not not nearly as many as as the produce aisle is that kind of what you're envisioning everywhere yeah. is it like yeah. that everywhere or it's not like that everywhere and in fact it's it's quite mixed um uh, to use a double meaning i guess mixed nuts but um you know it, it, we've seen it on all sides and um certainly the general feel is that it's more heavily uh, located in the baking aisle um but we do see a lot of retailers that are offering it in either in produce or adjacent to produce. Right. Um, what we're trying to change though is, and, and the great example is there've been you know, some really uh, very uh, thoughtful and progressive programs with, you know, some of the pistachios and almonds. Um, but walnuts haven't had that same level of attention. And, and a lot of that has to do, with the industry's focus has been on international development um, and, and more of that nut uh, and baking aisle focus. Um, so when they brought me in with my background in the in produce, it was just a natural thing for us to really take a look at what can we do to expand our consumption base. And give you some numbers to think about internationally, depending on what country and, and where you are in Europe, the numbers are, are pretty amazing. Um, somewhere like Turkey, where you, you measure consumption in kilos, and um, it, it is a huge number. Um, in, in Europe, um, it's four or five times what we have in the United States here on consumption. Our U.S. consumption is about 0.7 pounds per person per year, um, and that barely scratches the surface, and especially when you consider that a lot of that is in uh, the baking uh, application. So, We've got a healthy product that, you know, omega-3, it's got, um, you know, so many health benefits that have been uncovered over the last 20 years. Um, We just need to increase the points of distribution. Plus, we need to improve our packaging. Uh, As an industry, we're working on that and the different forms. So uh, different flavored products. Um, A lot of our folks are working with butters. um, And then even we have somebody that's working on a walnut meat program, and then a, a walnut uh, milk program. So diversifying that offering um, helps us. Some of it is specific to produce and some of it's outside of those aisles. I want to try a walnut butter. Oh, yeah. I think I've tried a walnut milk or some kind of combination of not common n- nuts used for milk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're saying that uh, pistachios and almonds have done a great job of of um, putting themselves at the forefront of consumers or shoppers' minds in non-baking and just fresh or out of hand or snacking or other uses um, and styling. and um, But uh, like in the fresh, like there's what, chopped walnuts, roasted, salted, unsalted, raw, the like basic kind of thing? Yeah, those are basic. And then, and then you have like chili lime flavors and honey roasted, uh, maple roasted. Uh, so there's those flavor additions and, and some of those are really on trend nowadays. 
Um, I, I think we have somebody that even has a wasabi uh, flavor mm. um, and, uh, and teriyaki flavor. So um, I, I think there, there's going to be a continually uh, evolution of that. Part of that is how do you shift from being uh, perceived as a baking item, item to a snacking? So you got to make it convenient, got to make it relevant, right? And so yeah. I, I, that's the, the, the key to uh, making that shift. And then the other part, and it goes back to your previous question, is um, a lot of times um, the, the nuts are, merchant, are, are brought in through a nut broker who typically uses generic packaging um, with just price point and a nutritional label on it. Um, I, I think we have a, a really good story to tell, and we want to break through that generic look like we're just one of you know, all the other nuts that are in the, the one-pound uh, clamshell containers. And so uh, we're encouraging our industry to, to look at different packaging uh, and, and different forms of the product um, and then really start to drive more of the consumption part of it through promotional activities. Uh, we're going to be partnering with several different produce companies this year. We've done it in the past and it was very successful. Um, and, and, you know, it's it, it actually tying back to your very first or some of the, the very first thoughts. And that is now that we're post-holiday, um, which is a time that we sell a lot of in-shell walnuts. So the, the complete the complete walnut is used both as a traditional item. That's also a decor item. Um, but then once we start getting into this time of the year, um, uh, from January all the way through um, uh, September, you know, the focus is on the shelled and ready to eat more convenient type of, uh, uh, of walnuts. And so um, that lends itself well to promotional activities. But if we can keep that promotional uh, flow going from the holidays all the way through the rest of the year, um, one, we, we see overall category lift um, and, and we see the consumers getting into that walnut habit. And um, I, I, I think we've had too much of a reliance on that in-shell business at the end of the year, um, which is fine. We, we like that. But I think we've also been somewhat passive about it after the fact. And so um, we're going to um, really start to look at how do we uh, have a compelling story beyond health, but including taste and convenience that resonates with the consumers. And then you have to highlight that. Um, one of the beautiful things about the produce department is it's an area that you can do some very creative promotional activity because uh, we've got real true merchandisers in, in the produce department. Um, the Healthy Halo is one that that certainly is there. Um, so we think it's, it's a great opportunity and look forward to really rolling that out. We've actually hired somebody who will be uh, meeting with retailers on a regular basis, a merchandiser, um, and so we're both seeing that as an opportunity to promote, but also to learn. Um, we need a lot more data than what we have currently, and we're going to be working on that. So it, are walnuts the number one nut to be used in baking? Um, good question. Um, I, I don't have the exact data on that, but it certainly is the primary. Feels like it. Um, okay. Because okay. I mean, it seems like more than any other nut, that's the association, which I know you're trying to expand, like as, as we're discussing, we're trying to expand beyond that. Um, but uh, yeah, I was wondering, and do you have um, any off the top of your head, like volumes or numbers of growers or things? Yeah. Yeah. So this year we have about 4,000 growers, um, over 70 handlers. 
Um, uh, our crop typically is about 1.5 billion pounds. Um, and like I said, about 65% of that gets shipped overseas. Um, our, our primary markets overseas are Turkey, uh, Germany, uh, Europe, the Middle East, uh, India, Japan, and Korea. Um, we are expanding in, in those markets, but then also in other regions as well. Um, you know, and it, it, just to give you a comparison, um, when you look at how uh, walnuts are merchandised in Turkey, um, the majority of them are merchandised in shell in large bags, and they take up the equivalent space that we would see here for you know, a large um, apple or potato promotion. Uh, you know, you've, we've all seen the display contests. Yeah. Um, and um, so yeah. It's, yeah. it's really interesting to see how other parts of the world promote walnuts. Uh, part of it is just they, they enjoy the, the fresh cracking activity of it. Uh, it's a family event, but it's integrated into a lot of the other you know, foods that they eat as well. So um, these large bags go pretty quickly. Yeah, my first thought is like that requires so much extra work at home. But if it's part of your lifestyle to just like snack in front of the TV or while talking with people in your living room and you just kind of have a nutcracker and you sit there and just do it while you're hanging out kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'll give you a personal story. I was born in Holland and my my family ran a really small uh, neighborhood produce store. And one of my earliest memories is because uh, I was you know, probably around four or five years old, maybe six years old. I remember my dad sitting in front of the TV. And at the time, the television only ran from four in the afternoon until 11 at night. So it shows you the TV was not as big a draw as it is today. But I remember my dad sitting there with these squeezer type uh, nutcrackers and these prods and his biggest joy in life, uh, seemingly, or, or an accomplishment was if he was able to crack the nut in such a way that he was able to take all the bits and pieces apart and then give myself or my sister a complete walnut that had not been broken into any pieces. And, um, and, and you know, if you, if you take a look at historically, um, in Europe, walnuts were used as uh, garland. Uh, and we think today of, you know, like strings of popcorn, but people would actually string together uh, walnuts and put that on the tree. Um, and then towards the, when Christmas came, they actually took that down and, and they would eat the walnuts from that. So when you have these traditions built into your family, um, yeah, you, you think about the product differently and it becomes much more integrated, not just as a holiday tradition, um, but, uh, but also as just an ongoing food tradition and, Food traditions are, are certainly something that we take for granted, but they're they're big, right? It's like yeah. apple, apple pie for Americans, but um, around the world, there are a lot of different things. And you know, I should also say, uh, and, and we just, we're just completing for the first time ever a sponsorship with the Sacramento Ballet, uh, their version of the Nutcracker. Oh! And, <laughs> and so we, we, we thought that was a natural brand association. Yeah. Um, and we're located near Sacramento. It's also where it's a big growing area for us, obviously, Northern California. And um, I had the, the pleasure of going down and watching them um, uh, uh, practice and then as well as perform. And we had big displays of walnuts in glass jars and asking people to estimate how many walnuts are in it, gave out samples. Um, but it's a natural thing. You know, if you think about it, we talk about tradition. 
you tie the tradition of walnuts and Christmas uh, and the Nutcracker and toy so and the toy soldiers are really designed to to crack the the Nutcracker yeah. walnuts. Um, it's just a natural association. And what we're hoping to do is we learn some things this year that we want to use in a in a uh, fall and holiday rollout next year using the figurine of the toy soldier and then tying that into ballets. Oh, that is a great idea. Uh, my fr- my next thought was like, where can you buy that? Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great way to teach small children, like also about how to eat food from its most original form. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 you know, it doesn't make food and eating the issue, right? It make, It's about enjoyment. Right. It's about, it's about that association. And for kids, I, I, I think that works, you know, quite often. It's a little bit of stealth health, um, but it's also okay. how to, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit, it's another way of having fun uh, with your food. And so, um, you know, and I, I was at Sunkiss, I was fortunate enough to work there for a long time. And um, we had the same situation in the brand association between the lemons and the lemonade stands, a very traditional American tradition in particular. And um, so this nutcracker um, association, I think, is one that kind of falls into the same line. Yeah. When I was talking with a PBH leader, Produce for Better Health, and they have all these reports about habits and changing behavior and, and um, you have to like you said, you can't just, we can't just do things because it doesn't changing behavior and increasing consumption by telling people it's healthy is not, uh, it's like a should and they have to feel it. Like it has to be attached to, like you said, nostalgia or like good times and, or just the satisfying crunch feeling, you know? Um, and it has to be like an emotion. You have to appeal to emotion, uh, to, help change behavior also um, they have to do it because they want to. Right. Uh, right. Um, well, I think it's, it's, it's putting things in the proper perspective and in the proper light, if you will. Um, and I think that's one of the things that driving the, the demand for walnuts, you know, we've, we've increased almost our acreage has doubled in the last 15 years. Uh, so there's a, a worldwide demand that has gone up here in the United States. You know, we continue to see slow growth, um, but part of that is repositioning our products so that you can take advantage of the health. And one part that that I'm very pleased when I found out about some of the research is, you know, the the association with plant-based diets and uh, plant-based eating habits, that, that certainly continues to be an expanding area uh, of interest, both for consumers. And we've got a great story to tell about that. Um, one of our... Um, kind of quiet heroes that we're going to be leveraging over the next year is the use of walnuts as a substitute for meat um, or certainly at least for something that can be blended in with meat so that there's less reliance on the, on the animal uh, protein. (laughs) And, you know, I, I I gotta tell you, I'm the first one. I I love a good burger steak and all that. So for me, it's not a vegetarian type of a plate necessarily, but I, I, I've come to really appreciate the fact that when you chop up walnuts very finely um, and then go through a simple process that's on our, our website, um, I mean, it's as simple sometimes as just adding flavoring to it. But uh, walnuts, because of the high fatty acid uh, content, which is really healthy, that's where the omega-3s are, 
Um, when you heat that up, it becomes very receptive to flavors such as taco flavoring mm. or chorizo. And I was introduced to a sample of chorizo flavored um, walnuts meat or crumbles, some people would call it. Uh, yeah. And it was actually served on a slice of zucchini that had been heated. Um, and it was absolutely phenomenal. And to the point where I, I said, <laughs> you know, I could do this on a regular basis. And yeah. Um, and so that, that's a little bit of that stealth health concept, but it's also repositioning the product in ways that it hasn't been thought about in the past and uh, breaking that baking mold type of a, a thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And I see a, a statistic that 70, 76% of consumers are more likely to purchase walnuts when they are displayed alongside fresh fruits and vegetables in the produce aisle and retailers can leverage natural produce pairings like squash go so well with squash. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pe- yeah pears, apple. Yep. Yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, the beauty of it is it's a natural product produce department is seen as this plant-based natural fresh good for you area um and it, it's just a natural leveraging of our our neighbors and uh you know ironically you, know, you would talk about pears and apples um cherries are another uh, item um, there's an expression in food service that things that grow together go together mm. well Apples, pears, cherries all grow in relatively the same area as our walnuts, as do grapes. Um, and, and one of the, the country's largest, well, the, I believe it's the country's largest mozzarella producers actually is in a, one of our walnut growing areas. So, um, you know, the, 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 it's, it's a kind of a fun cliche, but it actually is true that those things that are, are seasonal uh, but now we are able to stretch them out on a year-round basis. The, those flavor pairings work really, really well. M- my personal favorite, obviously, is the charcuterie plate. Um, and and I think that continues to be something of interest. We saw a lot of interest in that in the holiday season. Yeah. Um, and board. especially... All the boards. Butterboard. Yeah, yeah. And especially now that, you know, we're, we're back to uh, getting together uh, in person. Yeah, she could replace because has become kind of an artistic expression of ourselves, and it really uh, has. Walnuts, especially roasted walnuts, seem to do yeah. really well there. Yeah, roasted makes it sweeter, right? Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, it's a perfect addition to any of those creative boards, which are just all the rage. And I really encourage produce departments, retailers, companies to to get on that it's so such an easy way to to throw produce of all kinds on just anything you have yeah. um yeah. and consumers i think it could be a, a less intimidating like it might be intimidating for to to for maybe some shoppers who aren't like the most cook you know the best at cooking to to like jump from nothing to to making um walnut chorizo I, I would be into that <laughs> but i don't know I'm well, you go to our website we've got the recipes for that um yeah i'm tempted to do that <laughs> yeah yeah it, um, it, it, and we actually have a food service operator um in north america that is looking at developing a commercially available blend between walnuts and turkey meat and you know the cost of, of animal protein certainly has gone up and so uh, people are always looking at uh, alternatives. 
the, the blended mushroom campaign over the last 10 years, I think is a great example where um, we're thinking creatively about what we can do with our, our items. Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking at how we can help for commercial applications, but also make it available so that it's easy to execute on, at home. Um, and it is surprisingly easy. And uh, the walnuts really, they, they add that crunch. You said it earlier. There's that little bit of that sweetness that comes into it when you heat it up. Um, but you still have that earthiness that that's that's part of it as well. So um, we're, we're going to take a real hard look at kind of a foodie approach to walnuts that may not have necessarily been as evident in the past. Oh, fun. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, more and more people are foodies these days, right? Especially since uh, home cooking became the rage uh, during the pandemic. And it hasn't, it seems like it hasn't, they're still cooking. <laughs> they are, they are, they are definitely. Um, I think one of the other things that we've learned through that process is assembly, uh, which is why the, the charcuterie works is yes. you, you may not have, you know, you may not be interested in cooking as much, but assembling really good flavors together, um, and, you know, has resulted in, I think, people thinking about their, their plates a little differently. Certainly party plates are, are I think, are advancing um, you know, we, we also have several of our folks and we interact very closely with the dry fruit uh, category. So whether that's prunes or dates, um, and we have apricots and uh, cherries. Um, those work really well uh, as well. And uh, we have people in our office who take dried, dry, dried fruit and walnuts and that's their snacking um, combination. So this, uh, this idea of assembling things that we may already have in our closets uh, or in our pantries rather makes it makes a lot of sense. You mentioned partnering with different produce companies. Do you mean um, like different kinds of foods? Yeah. So I mentioned dates and prunes just now. That's a great example. Blueberries, avocados, um, cheese companies. And I'll come back to cheeses in, in just a couple of seconds. Um, even, you know, salad providers and, and, adding that crunch to uh, products that may not necessarily have as much crunch and texture to it. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, some vegetables, uh, butternut squash, uh, uh, walnuts in, in a uh, butternut squash mix with a little bit of brown maple syrup. Maple syrup and walnuts are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people like to do walnut, uh, butternut squash chopped up. Um, I used to just cut them in half and put the <laughs> walnut inside of that little dimple that's left there. Um, put a little bit of either honey or maple syrup on that and then cook it that way. Um, so there's, there, you know, those are natural pairings that we're, we're, we're going to be exploiting, if you will. Um, let me go back to the cheese drawer for just a second, though, is um, when, I, when I started, you know, one of the things that, that became evident was sometimes people would buy these bags of walnuts. They use them for a baking situation. And I, we all love that indulgent, you know, brownie and cookie or cake. But then they would put the, the walnuts back into the pantry. And, and one of the things about walnuts with the high fatty acids um, and just the composition of the walnut, if you leave that in the pantry too long, the, the nuts will go rancid. And so one of the things we're working on is an educational campaign to teach consumers to put it either in their freezer or their refrigerator. And I was talking about that with some growers one time and a gentleman stood up and goes, you know, I think what we need to do is tell people to put it in the cheese drawer. I was like, wow, that's genius. And now he, he didn't know what he was saying in this, uh, other than he just 
he was trying to describe, you know, where his family keeps it. Well, the cheese drawer is a great place to put it because it's a companion product to walnuts. The other thing is that in the pantry or in the freezer, it's kind of hidden and it's out of sight. Um, and in the cheese drawer, which is something that we open all the time, we're using something out of that more likely than not daily. Uh, the walnuts are right in front of you there. And it reminded me that yeah, previously when I was the VP of marketing for Nature Ripe Farms, I had never really eaten a lot of fresh blueberries before I started with them. And uh, once I did, I, I would bring a pound container of them to the house. And after washing them and put them on the counter, I found within three or four days, we found through the entire package. And um, it, it's, it, it just reminded me, and again, the story about the cheese drawer reminded me the same thing that we need to have our products within arm's reach of desire. And so um, how do we create more accessibility to it? Uh, it's a great thing for kids to see their parents grabbing a handful of walnuts, you know, just a handful of walnuts every day gives you all the benefit, gives you a lot of the benefits uh, uh, that, that are inherent um, and certainly helps you with brain health, gut health um, and, and heart and lung. And so the, having just a little bit added to your cereal or uh, your yogurt um, is kind of a natural, but just fresh eating out of hand is a great way to go. Well, if you make it conveniently available in the cheese drawer, um, you'll find that you're going to eat it more often and create that walnut habit um, that we see internationally, but we just don't see that in the United States. That is a great idea. Yeah, that is a great idea. Um, so when you're partnering with all these different food companies, um, what does that mean you're doing like social media campaigns or at, like, how do you partner with them? Yeah. Some of that is you know, indoor, dis uh, I'm sorry, in-store displays. Um, some of that is social media. It could also be in, you know, the circular ads. Um, you know, the easiest thing certainly is impulse buying by having the products, uh, together, uh, on display. Yeah, uh, if that's possible, um, and um, but cross couponing uh, it, it certainly works as well. We have done some very successful e-commerce programs over the last couple of years, and we're, we're going to try to leverage that with these trade partners. So, um, what, um, one thing that I that you know we're um, very much interested in doing is developing custom programs for retailers, um, and even to to some extent, uh, food service operators. Um, and really take a look at how their particular stores, you know, are best suited for different types of uh, promotional activity. But we'll use all the tools, including demos, if necessary. Well, based on like the demographic of their shoppers, like yeah. adjusting it to that. Um, so, uh, oh, what was I? Oh, you mentioned well, you successful e-commerce. Oh, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, Amy, also, you know, tied to the retail side of it is, we're working very closely with the re, uh, retail dietitians, registered dietitians. And um, that was through a program with PBH. We've, we've activated that on a couple of different occasions. And so we, that was not added to the list we were just talking about. But that is a key point that more and more retailers are becoming reliant on that RD to help kind of pave the way of how to make healthy, good for you, fresh produce items um, you know, an, an easy and accessible item that has a lot of utility to it. And so the, um, the RDs, I, I think, are a tool that we'll be using through these uh, co-partnerships. 
Okay, yeah. And uh, I was interested in e- the e-commerce aspect. You said you had some success. Um, how? Because I, I had heard something about 40% of uh, produce purchases, in-store produce purchases are impulse buys. And, and I know it does help even just as a shopper myself, um, because the nuts are right there in the produce department and I see them, like I will just grab them without planning on it because they're right there. And, um, and I'm always in the produce department and, um, <laughs> uh, Hopefully, yeah. yeah. And, um, but like online or with e-commerce, how it's harder to do impulse so I was kind of wondering how have you, what was your success with e-commerce or what do you think about impulse? Yeah, it, it really is through having uh, a targeted uh, ad or banner ad um, and, and just as a reminder. And so you know, it's, it's a traditional advertising outreach uh, type of an approach to it, just mm-hmm. raising the visibility of it and, and cross merchandising in, in the sense of, you know, a visual aid rather than uh, an actual 3D display. Okay, yeah, like how uh, grocery retailers have recipes uh, on their their sites, and then you can just shop the, the ingredients immediately. Yeah, that that would be a great example. The other one is just an active link to recipes. Um, thematics, you know, the Nutcracker would be a great example of, of uh, an opportunity that really isn't that hard to put together. Uh, but then as the season goes on, you know, if you go into January, you think about New Year, New You. Uh, in February, we're going to have a campaign um, around uh, American Heart Health Month. Mm. Uh, so that, that's an easy thing to execute uh, online or in the e-commerce sphere. Um, and then, then we just move into the rest of the year, um, you know, looking for natural tie-ins. And as you get into the summer months, with all the summer fruit becoming available, then um, you start taking a look at, you know, um, what would be available there. Fall time, as we said, you know, apples, pears um, certainly worked together quite nicely. Cool. Um, any final thoughts about, I, I could talk about walnuts forever. I love, I'm into this, but uh, what what have we not hit that you think could be really helpful to the produce industry specifically maybe near the end of the supply chain, but, but all of it. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, all of it is true. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think one of the things that our industry is, is looking to do is to do more direct activities with our retailers, whether it's through the commission or through the individual companies, our handlers that are reaching out, that are developing some of these new products. Um, you know, they're, they're having that direct contact really helps us better understand how we can help um, drive more sales and more profits. Um, you know, one of the things about the center of the store is we all understand that that's a tougher area to drive profitability. Um, in the produce area, we, we may see lower margins, but we see more turns. And by turning the product more often, we, we have a, a better chance with our, um, um, you know, with our increasing our volumes. Um, you know, quality will be better. Um, so it, it, as, as we can continue to have the, the velocity of sales and that movement, um, we think the consumer habit will start to develop a, a little bit easier. Um, but we're, we're here to partner with the retailers um, and then 
in select markets, we will be supporting it with um, some type of broadcast media. Usually it, it could be radio or, you know, targeted online. Um, we do have chefs that appear in morning shows. Um, we work with food editors. So we're working very hard over this next year to raise the awareness of Walnut and the health and nutrition story that that's out there. It, it, it is amazing if you think about it. 95% of consumers understand that uh, tree nuts are healthy and they're, they're good for you. I, I think we need to make accessibility to, that, to those nuts uh, a little bit of a higher priority for us as an industry. And accessibility means those points of distribution and, uh, and using some of the traditional um, produce promotional um, drivers that we've not taken advantage of, nor have we emphasized it. So there, a lot of responsibility lies on the industry, um, ourselves as a commission and a board to highlight those you know, promotional opportunities and efforts. And a, lot of, a lot of work to do <laughs> this coming year. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> but, but that's the beauty of, of this product. It, it's so yeah. versatile. And um, it's one of the reasons I took the job. I, I, I think there's a, a, a latent opportunity to expand really significantly a high value item um, that doesn't need uh, to um, uh, a tremendous amount of education. It just is visibility Great. to some extent. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. Amy, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. One of Robert's statistics really stuck with me. 76% of consumers are more likely to purchase walnuts when they're displayed alongside fresh fruits and vegetables in the produce aisle. I mean, wow. It makes sense as the produce department is where many impulse buys occur. And it's often in the front of the store where shoppers first have to push their carts through when they're still hopeful of sticking to a tight budget, but will listen, but will be willing to loosen it for something healthy, fresh, and tasty. Anyway, check out our other Tip of the Iceberg podcast episodes. In a recent one, we partnered with Equitable Food Initiative to hear from Matt Rogers, who worked for Whole Foods Market on global produce deals, as well as social, environmental, and food safety issues for the corporate produce team which led to his creation of Ag Socio, the first farm labor contractor to receive EFI verification of the highest labor standards in its pilot program. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and rate us. It really helps us out. And have you heard of our free professional development courses at produceedu.com? There's a produce buying fundamentals course, a sustainability course, a strawberry course, a merchandising 101 course, and there's a couple right in the pipeline almost about to launch soon, a couple more. Hey, showing your course completion certificate couldn't hurt when you ask for a raise or a new role. Remember, it's at produceedu.com. In this episode's show notes, you can find many ways to follow us for more produce information, news, tips, insights, and we'll have more of these great produce industry and healthy lifestyle conversations coming soon. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.